0: Dr. Luis Sandoval is accomplished in the fields of mental health and spiritual warfare. A medical doctor, board certified in neurology, psychiatry, and family medicine, he is also a psychiatrist for the Roman Catholic Diocese of Orange, Ministry of Healing, and Deliverance. Now, Dr. Luis Sandoval. All right, well welcome to the clinic, Virgin Most Powerful Radio family. As always, I am your host, Dr. Luis Sandoval here. Um, and welcome to another show today. I think we have a great show. We're going to be talking about first steps and first steps can mean a lot of things to a lot of different people. Um, we have to understand what it means. You know, what do you mean by first steps, Dr. Sandoval? Well, we're going to get into that, but first let's start off with a prayer. As always here at Virgin most powerful radio, we dedicate our station to our lady. So I always like to start off with a Hail Mary, Hail Mary, full of grace. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. Jesus Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, why are we talking about first steps? I got to tell you, I know there's lots of things that come into mind when it comes to first steps. And really, if if nothing else, it reminds us of new beginnings. We take our first steps forward, right? We never say say that we're going to take our first steps backwards, but the idea of First Steps came to me for lots of different reasons, um, different conversations that I've had with patients and families that we're going to talk about, um, and different things that happen in our lives. You know, one of the things that's really important, and some of our viewers know, is that I recently had a uh, a newborn son, and, you know, whenever you have a newborn around, you're always kind of looking to see, are they developing appropriately? Are they moving in the right direction? And everybody wants to know, oh, are they, you know, some basic things. Are they sleeping through the night when they're newborn? And then as things move forward, are they you know, taking the appropriate milestones that babies need to take. And one of those very important ones, I was uh, reminded uh, by our, our producer, Richard, who sent me a wonderful picture of his granddaughter, Sloan. Um, and she's six months old now, and she's about to take her first steps. But what's she doing before she takes her first steps? So Richard showed me this picture. And he told me, wow, look at this. This is what's, what's happening now. Sloan is actually getting up on her own, and she's holding on to the rail. We got to remember that this is so important because we see this picture in this beautiful baby girl um, and she's holding on to her daddy, she's holding on to something. She's gonna hold on to something just to stand up. And how exciting is that for us? You know, when we see a new baby, when we know that um, there's a new life there and we look at these milestones, why is that so exciting for us? Why do we think that's so cool? Why do we want to see the baby take their first steps? We don't take, you know, we don't don't think so much about, oh, did they take their 200th step, right? But whenever they take their first steps, are they starting to walk? Well, I think it's very metaphorical. One thing when we see it in actuality, when it's not a metaphor, it is just so cool. I don't know what it is. I, I, I wouldn't be able to say exactly, but you know, for everybody, but for me personally, I see a baby take their first steps and we know that that is a sign of maturity. We know that that's a sign really of the brain wanting to move forward, wanting to develop and wanting to grow up really at the end of the day because, and it happens so early in life, you know, we start to sit up, maybe pull ourselves up at six months. Um, and hopefully we're taking our first steps by a year old, but those first steps are so important. We see a baby take that first step and we see them wobble a little bit. And even before that, just like the picture that Richard sent me on Sloan, it, it was just so endearing, it's so endearing because we see the baby just starting to stand up on their own, you know, and for parents this is exciting and a nightmare all at the same time because it's so exciting to see the baby get up and they're using their own strength to get up and hold themselves on a table, to hold themselves on a couch, to shuffle, to coast across as they're moving their hand over hand and foot over foot and just kind of getting coordinated. You know, we see this in nature too. Have you ever seen a nature show and a baby's just born, you know, be it a baby calf, a baby, a lion or something, and they start to move around and when they're ready and their muscles start to get ready, they start to stumble a little bit, but they're moving in the right direction. I say that for parents, it's terrifying too, because now you have to baby proof because now you know that as the baby's doing that and now they're moving on your, on their own, There's a whole lot of dangers out there. Those first steps are exciting because we know that they're developing, they're moving in the right direction. But now I want to make sure that they, as that that coffee table that they're holding onto, boy, I better soften up those sharp edges. I better put some some, uh, pillow or foam or something around so that as the baby's developing, they don't hurt themselves on these objects that we have around the house. I better cover up any of the electrical plugs and make sure that they don't put anything in there or put their fingers in there or, 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 uh, try to hurt themselves in that way. And we're aware of this. Now notice that I say, I better make the environment safe. I don't say I better get the baby to stop walking or I better get the baby to not move because that's not the, the, the way life goes. I want this baby to develop. I want them to continue to walk. I want them to continue to hold themselves up. I want them to continue to move, and they're taking these first steps. This is very, very exciting. At the same time, we've got to make sure that they're safe. You know, I think of this because I think of a lot of families that have come to me recently um, with problems with their not so much for themselves. You know, sometimes it's moms and dads, and what they come to me for is they don't necessarily worry about how am I doing, but they worry about their kids. And some of these kids are adults. Some of them, they say, You know, I worry because my kid got into drugs and I don't know how to help them out. Or I worry because my kid is still living at home and they don't seem to be maturing the way they're supposed to. Maybe they're in their 20s and it doesn't seem like they're trying to get a job. It seems like they're very comfortable. I'm worried that they're not taking those first steps. And how do we help them out? We're going to talk about that a little bit later in the show. But always bringing this back to our Catholic faith and knowing how do we do that, we got to take a step back and look at. Well, what does the faith tell us about this? What does a faith tell us about taking first steps and maturing and moving forward in life? So we are in the set by the time you hear this, this will be the second week of Advent. Um, And Advent is always such a, such a special time because as we hear Advent, I always think, I mean, as a kid growing up, I always thought Advent, we have an Advent wreath that's so fun. And we get these four candles on there and I just like lighting the candles. It was just kind of cool to see different colored candles lit, three purple, one pink. And, you know, every week you get a new, a new candle color. And to me, that was just closer to getting presents. You know, growing up, it was, there's, there's no question about that. It was, you know, the the more candles that are lit, the closer it is to, to getting presents. Um, But the reality is that we look at the way that our faith is set up and the way that our church is set up and our church calendar is set up. Advent is a new beginning. Advent is the beginning of every church year. It's the beginning of every liturgical calendar. And we start with the liturgical calendar with newness. We start it with a new birth. We start with Advent leading up to preparing for the incarnation. We're preparing for the birth of Christ. This is very, very important. And we need to think about this. How does this relate to my own life, right? Because as we start Advent, it's new life. It's a new season. And how does this relate to my own life? Well, one of the important things that we've got to look at Advent is that Advent happens every year, right? It's a cycle. We talk about the church calendar. It has a beginning and an end, and it starts over every time. Why is that important to us? because we're gonna get multiple chances every time. You know, when we see a baby take their first steps, we think that was it, that was their first step. And you hear a lot of parents, I hear a lot of parents lament, You know, I was too busy working, I was too busy doing other things, I didn't pay attention, I didn't get a chance to see my kid do their firsts. I wasn't there when they took their first steps or when they said their first word or when they did these things. And I can never get that back and that's true. You know, once a baby takes their first steps, that was it, that was their first steps. Once they say their first word, that's pretty much it, they said their first word. If you were there, you know, um, that's great, it's such an exciting time, it's great to see those first steps. If you weren't there, the reactions are gonna be different. Now, some parents will say, like I was saying before, I feel so guilty because I should have been there. I should have been there to see these first steps take place. Now, remember, sometimes it's the baby's first step, but if you're a parent and you're there, It's going to be the first time you see them take their first step. So it might not be their first step, but let's say that you are an involved parent. And let's say that, gosh, we all have to work. And let's say that you weren't there when the baby took their first step or said their first word. Is that necessarily the worst thing in the world? No, not necessarily. Because as long as you get home and you're paying attention to your child and you're there for them and you're taking care of them, you're going to see them take a step and and that's going to be the first time you see it. So it's not necessarily the worst thing in the world. Um, If you didn't, if you as a parent didn't get to see it, I know parents feel a lot guilty about that sometimes. But then if you do feel guilty, I wouldn't say that that's a time to shame yourself. It's a time to ask yourself, well, is there something I'm doing? Is it not enough for me to see their next first step? You know, baby's first steps are always exciting. But if I'm not there, then guess what? Maybe I got to take a first step towards maybe paying more attention to my child am I using my time correctly? Am I uh, um, paying too much attention to work? This is one way we can work in our personal first steps as we move forward. I know that for Richard, it's going to be exciting to see Sloan not just stand up and hold herself on a guardrail, but eventually take that first step with her foot and, and try to move forward. Um, and then eventually, you know, move on from that and be able to uh, start to say her first words and be there with mom and dad. The fact that, you know, somebody like Richard, Uh, Sends me this picture tells me that he is involved. You know, you get a picture You might not have been there physically, but do you get excited when you see the picture? Are you excited to go see the child again Um, as a parent? Are you excited to be there for your child? And then you know, do you get excited uh, to tell other people about it? That's how you know you're there even if you weren't there necessarily physically But if you know that there's a connection there if you know that you are involved in your heart that's how you get excited. I mentioned this because part of what I'm seeing is a lot of parents who now feel guilty as their child gets older, because we get the other end of the the spectrum. Now, as a child gets older, sometimes we think, when am I supposed to let the child go? When are they supposed to take their first steps on their own? And I no longer am able to Protect the environment around them. I no longer have that control. They're no longer holding on to my hands um, And now they have to take their steps on their own and I see them going through life and moving through life uh, In a way that maybe i'm not happy about or maybe I don't agree with but there's nothing I can do They're taking their own first steps We're going to talk about that a little bit uh, later on in the show but first what I wanted to mention was We need to look at our own first spiritual steps so We're in the Advent season. We're gonna incorporate this into our our family life. But what does this mean for me personally to be an Advent? Because I wanna worry, I wanna take care of my children or my friends or my loved ones, but if I'm not ready to take care of myself, I might not be able to do that. You know, it's exciting to see a baby take their first steps, but now I gotta ask myself, am I strong enough to take my own first steps with that baby? We're gonna talk about the first steps we need to take sometimes. It might not be our first uh, uh, baby steps, but we're going to take baby steps in different directions in our lives. More about that when we come back from the break. back to the clinic here at virgin most powerful radio um as always we'd like to thank our listeners and i always like to remind you if you have any questions or you have any thoughts for future shows please let us know i do have an email address that you can reach me at and that email address is dr.sandovalvmpr at gmail.com. Uh, that's drsandovalvmpr at gmail.com. There is a dot after the dr um, And if you have any questions or you have any uh, inquiries, please let me know. I'd be more than happy to address them. If I don't get back to you right away, you know, it might take a little while just as we shuffle through stuff, but also let me know where you're writing from. And if you want your story to be incorporated in one of our shows, be more than happy to do that. Today, we are talking about Advent and we're talking about first steps in our lives. You know, Christmas and preparation for Christmas is so exciting. It's such an exciting time, especially for kids. You know, and we're talking about seeing kids take their first steps and how that actually rejuvenates us, you know, as uh as grandparents, as parents, as aunts and uncles, as anybody related. Um, we really get rejuvenated when we see that. It's a it's a newness. It gives us new hope to see a new baby taking their first steps. Um, you know, and in our advent cycle. What we gotta remember is that the church really allows us to take our first steps every year and our first steps towards Christ. You know, how do we do that? Because Advent, even though, you know, we're rushing around, we're decorating our homes, maybe we're putting up some lights or some holly or a Christmas tree, and we're hoping that we get some nice, shiny, wrapped presents under the tree. You know, this year might be a little bit different for some people because they might not be able to get together with family if they have to be apart from each other. They might not be able to um, have those same traditions that we used to have. But that doesn't mean that we can't still prepare ourselves because every year we say it's not about the presents about preparing our hearts and preparing ourselves to come closer to Christ. We're supposed to be preparing ourselves for the birth of Christ. One thing that I remember from being a kid, one of the traditions we had was our my our parents would always put up a manger and we would my mom would have a stack of hay uh, next to the manger, you know, it wasn't on the manger, but she would have some hay, and we would be able to take some hay as long as we behaved every night before we prayed the rosary, and we would put a little piece of hay on baby Jesus's bed. And as kids, we knew in our in our in our household that we were building the, Jesus's bed, that we were building his little crib, his manger, but. The way we were building that is we were building it with our good acts. You know, we were taking those first steps. This is is me remembering taking first steps towards Christ at Christmas, if you will, um, that our mom said, you know, if you didn't behave, you're not going to be able to put that piece of hay that happened to me once. Let's just say it only happened to me once. And I don't remember exactly what I did, but I do remember the feeling of not being able to put a piece of hay down. And boy, that hurt more than anything else. I wasn't able to go take that step towards Christ and put a piece of hay on his bed. And that was painful, but I knew that it was something I did. I probably deserved it. I'm sure I did. I probably got in a fight with my sisters or something. Um, but the memories there, the memory of putting that down, making sure that I'm building Christ's bed. Yeah, that was in a manger, but I think we got to do that in our hearts every day. I think as we look forward and we do good deeds, Um, It's like putting a little piece of hay in in, in our hearts for Christ to lay in as as we're waiting for him to be born uh, at Christmas time, you know, but this is one of the important things we've got to remember as I was talking to Richard about how he felt about his granddaughter and, you know, her being able to stand up on her own now at, at six months. He reminded me, he said, you know, gosh, as she's doing that, her dad will just put his hands out and she will reach out and grab one hand and then reach out and grab the other hand and just pull herself up. What a beautiful picture, right? As a baby's moving up, moving forward, we got to remember we talked about the the child putting their hands on a table, putting their hands on a couch or whatever is around them to help pull themselves up. But then there's something very special when we see the parent putting their hands out and the child doing that. What's happening in this picture. You know, I think uh, I related in my mind, it brings me back to putting that piece of hay down for, for Christ in the manger, because what's really happening, if we're looking at this from a, from a psychiatric point of view, and I don't mean to be nerdy and scientific, but we are at the clinic, right? So we're talking about our spiritual health, our mental health and our physical health, but from a scientific point of view, in order for a child to do that, there has to be a super element of trust. You know, a child's not gonna do that. A child can feel a table and they know the table's not gonna move and they know that the couch is not gonna move and they feel a sturdiness to it, they feel a strength to it and they feel, you know, physically speaking, as they're pushing their weight against the table, the, the table's pushing back but with a greater force even so the child can lean on the table and lift themselves up and realize that that table is strong, it's sturdy and this is something I can hold on to as I'm taking my first steps. Imagine the picture of a child taking their first steps with their parent putting their hand out, the child has to trust wholeheartedly that the parent's not gonna move their hand. They know that the parent can move, obviously. They've seen the parent move and pick them up and be in different directions. They know that the parent could move out of the way if they wanted to. But all of a sudden that child who cannot even speak, who doesn't even have the words yet, can look at their parent and see that their hand is out there and feel nothing but trust and love and be able to put their own hand on that hand and then grab the other hand and be able to lift themselves up. You know, what a great picture the child is doing this with full trust, full confidence, and the parent's happy to be there holding them. The parent doesn't even have to move. The child can use their force then by leaning onto the parent and picking themselves up and being able to have their feet planted on the ground and stabilize themselves. What a beautiful picture that is as we're taking our first steps in our spiritual life. Now, some people might be saying, well, what are you talking about, Dr. Sandoval? I'm so old. I've been Catholic my whole life. I was cradle Catholic. I was baptized. It's not like I'm a new convert. Sometimes we hear that, you know, oh, somebody's a convert, so they, they're they on fire for the faith and, and they get really excited about the faith. Um, and then cradle Catholics, we tend to be sometimes a little bit more uh, lax or a little bit more uh, comfortable with it because we've always had it around, you know. But when we look at it, when we look at what's going on, when we look at our faith in every Advent, it's actually new to all of us. We're actually all converts at that time, if you will, because we always have that choice. We have the beginning of the year now. We have a choice to make. Do I want to put my hand out there and trust that Christ has his hands out, just like a parent, and then I can put one hand in one of his hands, my other hand in one of his hands, and lift myself up from wherever I am wherever I am in life, if I'm already in a good place, that's great. If I'm already fed and my diaper has been changed and I'm feeling comfortable, but I want to lift myself up, that's wonderful. If I have a dirty diaper on me, if I need some cleaning, if I need something to, to happen, I can go to Christ because that's what a parent does, right? A parent doesn't just pay attention to you when you're clean and and, and fully fed. The parent's there to to clean and feed you. So am I ready to trust this Advent season to put my hands in Christ and move forward and take that step up and realize that he's going to hold on to me as I stand up. My legs might be a little bit wobbly. I might be a little bit tired and I might need that diaper change, if you will. But Christ is going to be there. God is going to be there to help clean us up from whatever we feel might be keeping us down. When else is a baby crying? When else does a baby need to reach out? When they're hungry. All right, if a baby's going to walk, start walking around, what do we worry about? They're going to put something in their mouth. They put something in their mouth when they're hungry or they want to explore. They want to see what things taste like or what they feel like, and they understand that through the mouth. Now, are we not the same sometimes? As we're moving forward in our spiritual direction, are we not starving for faith? Are we not starving for the Word of God? Are we not starving for the Eucharist, for Christ? If during this Advent season, that's our time to say, am I preparing myself for Christ well, Christ is saying, yeah, are you preparing? I'm, I'm prepared for you already, but are you preparing yourself for me? Christ is already there. The hands are already there. His hands are already out. You know, just like Sloan's daddy in that picture, you know, he's holding on to her and, and she's trusting that he's going to do that. And there's no way you see this and you see a parent do that. And there's no way that that child's going to be in danger no matter what. You know that that parent's going to pick them right up if they're about to fall or if they're going to falter or they're going to be there to help them get right back up. Well, that's what happens for us in Advent time, our Advent cycle. We start to move forward in the right direction. We trust that we're going to put our hands in Christ's hands and he's going to move us up. Every candle, every candle that we light is a step closer to Christ, right? So we do that um, because we know that we have the faith that Christ was coming to us with a mission you know, we celebrate Christmas and we think this is great. This is, this is so fun. Uh, we get to do all the lights. It's so beautiful. We get to, um, see things brand new and who doesn't love to see Christmas through a kid's eyes because they get so excited when they open presents. And sometimes it's even more exciting that way. I wonder if Christ gets excited as he sees the faith through our eyes. If he sees us as children, if he sees us as reaching out to him for support, to lean on him, if we're doing that wholeheartedly with the faith of a child, I think that that's where Christ gets excited and says, Yes, let me take care of you. Because we know that a child at that age, who's going to hold the child responsible for anything really at that age? They don't know any better. They're learning and, they're, and they have to learn wholeheartedly from us. If something happens to the child, the first question we ask is Where's the parent? Where do the parents go? You know, something happened. Well, where are the parents? Were they there? Were they taking care of them? And then all of a sudden we start to wonder about parental neglect and we start to wonder about different things of that nature. You know, was the child not taken care of? But Whenever we say, if we're going to believe that we're putting our hands in the, in the hands of Christ and the hands of God, I highly doubt there's going to be a whole lot of parental neglect there. We might not feel good. We might not, we might feel like we're stumbling a little bit or like, you know, we're, we're wobbly or we might fall again, but we got to remember, I don't know any parent who doesn't put their hand back out for their kid and says, Hey, let me get you back up. You fell. I'm here to get you back up. But remember the kid had to trust to put their hand there. That's really where our Advent cycle comes in. Are we trusting That regardless of what happened in the last year, regardless of what we did yesterday, regardless of what we're going to do tomorrow, that we have another chance to move forward. That we have that chance again to put our hands in our parents' hands and pick ourselves up. I think that's the beauty, really the beauty of the Advent calendar, the beauty of the liturgical calendar. The fact that it's a cycle, we get to start again. You know, we end the the calendar with Christ the King and we start it with Advent. Why? Because we got to remember that before we even start, who is it that we're starting with? Who are we preparing ourselves for? We're preparing ourselves for Christ the King. And he's our brother. He's part of the family. We inherit that. We go into into divine royalty. Are we ready to live up to that? We don't always do. This is what happens. We fall. We go into different cycles. Um, we go into uh, sin. We go into, and we forget who we are. We forget we have that inheritance. But the hardest part, I think, is that we forget that, when, or when we forget, I should say, that Christ has his hands out there already for us to get back up. A lot of times we forget that and we want to stay down, whether because we're embarrassed or we're we're ashamed or things of that nature. Um, You know, we we start to think, we get into our own head and we start to think that we're not good enough. We start to do that negative self-talk. We got to remember that we got to take those baby steps again, you know it's not always easy. It's not always easy to to think about that. But I think that this is where Christ's wisdom comes in. And he says that you have to be childlike in order to get into heaven, because what's a child like at this age? You see that child, they fall. They don't know any better and they don't know that they've fallen. They don't know uh, that they've done anything wrong. All they know is they want to keep moving forward and that their parents going to help them. I think sometimes we have to get into that point where, yes, we recognize what we did was wrong and we're not going to belittle that. But are we ready and willing to realize that Sometimes we just don't know any better. You know, we don't see ourselves with the eyes of Christ. We don't see ourselves with the eyes of God. And I think that that's the true preparation there uh, in Advent, not just to prepare ourselves to see the Christ child being born, but to prepare ourselves to see ourselves being born in Christ. If If we can do that, if we can try to see ourselves through the eyes of God, then God probably sees us more as innocent creatures who he's ready to take on, who he's ready to say, I don't know about your faults and your falls because I'm here to pick you up. And whatever happened before, as long as you let me pick you up, all that will go away. It's not easy. You know, it's easy to talk about. It's easy to say, oh yeah, this this could happen. But, Uh, you know, I'll be able to get up and and there's not going to be any consequences. No, it hurts when you fall. Even as a kid, kids cry. It hurts when they fall. There's going to be maybe bruises on their legs from when they fell or, or, you know, things of that nature. But what we've got to remember is in spite of all that, Christ is still there. Christ is there to pick us up, to guide us and to guide us through our fallen nature and to let those wounds heal. Um, more about that when we come back, when we come back, I'm going to give you some real life stories of patients and different scenarios where I think that we have to remember that even as, a, as adults, we have to take our first steps. More after the break. All right. Well, welcome back to the clinic here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. As always, we love to have you hearing our show. Hopefully, Um, you enjoy the topics you're hearing, uh, always let us know if there's any topics you want to hear about, anything that's going on in your life or in your loved one's life that we might be able to address and and we might be able to address some spiritual, physical and mental health in the eyes of faith. Um, and if you're so willing to donate, please, you know, if you like what you're listening to, there's a lot of good people, uh, working behind the scenes here and any of your donations, if you find it in your heart this time of year to, uh, to send our way, we always welcome that. Um please look on our website and you can see uh, how to donate and you can always call us to, to donate as well. Today we're talking about Advent, we're talking about first steps and moving forward, not just physically as we see uh, ourselves moving forwards and taking our first steps when we're we're children, but really our first spiritual steps is what it comes down to, because we can't deny that it's all linked. You know, as we move on in life, I already took my first steps as a child, but I'm still taking steps every day, uh, physically and spiritually, um, and it's all linked. I always say our physical, mental, uh, and, and spiritual selves are happening at the same time. Sometimes we like to separate them, but they're happening at the same time. If I'm taking steps in the right direction, if I'm taking steps going uh, uh, to good places in life, then guess what? I'm taking spiritual steps as well. If I'm taking steps to go into negative places, places of ill repute, places that I know are not going to build me, I'm taking spiritual steps in that direction too. I mention this because most of the time what I get is a lot of grieving parents who worry about what their children are doing, Um, And these are adult children. I'm not even talking about, you know, newborns or or elementary school. I'm talking about, you know, parents later on in life who are now looking at their children in their 20s, 30s, even 40s, and they feel like their children are just in a bad direction. But as parents, we never stop being parents. It doesn't matter how old our children are. You know, it's an interesting dynamic. We're always, you know, our parents are our parents no matter how old we are and, and when we're in our parents' presence it's normal to feel like kids again you know a lot of people during the holidays don't like to go back home because they say oh my dad's always doing this and I always feel like I'm you know 7 years old again and you know the parents are the same you know even if the parents are older and they say oh my kids come home for the holidays but boy they're old and they're, they still haven't figured it out and i need to tell them what to do you know it's not necessarily a bad thing we got to ask ourselves where does that come from What it really comes from is that the relationship from parent and child never changes. You know, we can, we can look at that no matter how old we are, the parents are the parents, the children are the children, and that's the relationship that we have. And we're going to affect each other in that way our whole lives. It's really a supernatural relationship that we have, not just physical, where how we relate to each other will always be parent and child. Hopefully it's a healthy relationship where as the parents get older, they realize that the children have to make their own decisions and that they hopefully are there just to guide them and not necessarily try to run their life and at the same time from the child's perspective hopefully they realize that the parents have gone before them and they respect the fact that if the parents are telling them something there's probably a good reason for that there's probably there's the voice of experience as we say Um, and whatever our parents are telling us uh, whether we like to hear it or not probably has some grain of salt and a grain of truth it's important to decipher that but why do i mention this because a lot of times parents worry about their kids. And I've had some serious, some cases where, yeah, they had every right to, you know, their children, uh, one, there's one case where a child got into drugs, uh, she was a, a young lady and she got into drugs. She was in her twenties now in her mid <clears> thirties and due to the drug use, not only did she get into drugs, but she became homeless. You know, she started following these drugs so much that she became homeless and her mom, uh was always worried about her always trying to find her always trying to track her down to see where she was um and she didn't know what to do and she said you know I don't understand what am i supposed to do for for my daughter now she's out there she's homeless i feel helpless i'm her mom i feel like i should do something i feel like i'm responsible for her and every day of my life i think about her every day you know my child is lost she said it's it's almost like even though she made these um these choices herself. She chose to do drugs. She chose to become homeless at that point. Um, You know, and we can look at it as a mental illness. A lot of times people have issues where they say, you know, drug use, they're a hundred percent responsible. Other people will argue it's a mental illness. I'd say it's a little bit of both. There is some mental illness to addiction, uh, but there also is a sense of responsibility because if the person doesn't want to stop using drugs, nobody can stop them. Um, But at the same time, This mom was telling me, you know, even though she's done this and and she has choices to make, I feel like somebody's kidnapped her. I feel like she's being guided by something different. I feel like the steps she's taking are not her own. She's not. This is not my daughter. She would not move in that direction. And she asked me at one point, she said, do you think that she's being driven by demons or she's demonically influenced? I said, you know, I don't know. I haven't met her. I can't say for sure. I, wouldn't, I would never make an evaluation like that for somebody without finding out where they're at, without talking to them first, without getting firsthand knowledge. Um, but is that a possibility? Sure, of course. You know, if we're going to look at the spiritual world, how do we know which way we're moving, which, which direction we're moving in? If I'm going to allow myself to have drugs in my system or to put a needle in myself and allow myself to be injected with something like heroin or methamphetamine or whatever it is I want to inject in my veins. Um, what's to say that spiritually I'm not allowing other things to come in? What's to say that I'm not allowing for negative influences in my life? What's to say that I'm taking the steps, you know, that is a step if I'm going to use drugs. That's kind of, a, that's a step in the wrong direction, easy to say. And what's to say that I'm not allowing uh, with my step uh, something else to come in and take over and start making decisions for me or play with my mind? I'm not thinking clearly now. We know that by the action of sin alone, Uh, We don't think clearly. This is where we see that the spiritual world, of course, is linked to the mind. You know, why is it, and and the physical world, why is it that if I take a physical action and in the spiritual world, it's negative, all of a sudden in my mental world, I can't think clearly. It's all linked together. And what starts to happen to us, we can start to regress. We can start acting like little kids. We can start going back to pretending we're six months old, a year old, and and we need to restart taking those first steps, you know, and that's Okay. The reason I say that's okay is because we have to recognize that. If we made these decisions, of course there's redemption for us. Of course we can make the choice to come back to Christ. Remember, Christ's hands are always there. And Advent season reminds us of that. It's a brand new uh, time for us to reach out our hands to Christ and to reach out for the newborn Christ. He comes to us as a newborn. He comes to us very innocuous, very, very gentle. You know, Christ doesn't come to us when uh, for Christmas time as, as the judge, right? We see that at the end of the year. Why is that? Because when we start with Christ, we have to start with Christ. We have to present ourselves to the babe. We have to present ourselves to the baby child, and we have to grow with the baby child. We have to take our first steps just as Christ takes his first steps. Even if we are in the midst of drugs or homelessness or something along those lines, um, we have to be able to present ourselves and realize that Christ is not that intimidating. But you know what? Once we've walked the year, once we've walked that calendar year, we start with Advent, we end with Christ the King, which shows us that the child has matured. Not only has a child been born at Christmas time, but by the end of the year, he is now a mature, grown man and he's assumed his rightful role as King. Are we walking with him and recognizing that? Because if we are, it doesn't mean that we're not going to fall. It means that I have to recognize who I'm dealing with. And I realize that at first I'm going to take my baby steps and Christ allows me to do that. But then by the end of the year, I better be mature enough to deal with the King. I better be ready to say, yes, I have a certain responsibility, but you are the King. And ultimately I throw myself at the mercy of the court and hopefully God's mercy will be there or hopefully we will recognize God's mercy because God's mercy is always there. We need to recognize that. Have we taken the steps to do that? One of the problems is that we regress. Um, You know, for that lady, I hope that her daughter ends up being okay. I hope that someday she decides to stop using drugs and get some help and and not be homeless and, and move forward in that direction for her. But we pray for her because at the end of the day, Even if she's not taking those steps, sometimes we can ask Christ to help her recognize those steps or to help her reach out that hand to him. There was another case that was important because, you know, that's an extreme case. It's very obvious if my daughter, my son, and my loved one is doing drugs and they're homeless. It's a very, very obvious case. But what about the more subtle cases? What about the cases where we say, you know, my son is still living at home and he's living at home with his girlfriend and they have a kid and he's 35. And he's 35 years old and now that he's at home, He hardly pays any rent, he's not really paying rent, and he kinda has odd jobs, and he keeps saying that he's gonna move out and he's gonna get his own apartment, I don't mind him being home except for he wants to tell me what to do. He's not responsible with his kids and his wife and uh, we're not getting along and he's getting too comfortable uh, not paying rent. In some months he even sell, tells me that he can't pay uh, because, you know, some, certain bills came up and he's got to feed the family and he's kind of doing odd jobs and he can kind of move in the right direction, but he really seems like he's stuck. And one of the things that happens to us is that all of a sudden we get we get stuck in that situation. If we allow ourselves to do that. And as parents, to what point am I responsible? You know, there's a lot going on in that scenario because the first thing is the parent was telling me, I want them to move out. Okay. I want them to move out because this isn't working out and I just don't see my, my son maturing. I don't see him moving in the right direction. So this is the hard part. This is where it gets hard for us as parents. And we say, okay, well, did you set any ground rules? Did you tell him that if you don't do such and such, then you can't stay here. Well, I did, but you know, I I feel bad because it's my son and he's, you know, how do I kick him out? Well, then you got to ask yourself, are you really holding steadfast to those rules? Are you helping him out? Because if he's regressed, if he's at the point where you notice that he's childlike, because now, even though he has his own family and he's in his thirties and he's living at home, he's not really taking responsibility for his family. He's still depending on mom and dad to kind of, you know, pull up the uh, um, the way to, to really help him out and to kind of make up for what he's not doing. He's got a roof over his head that he's hardly paying for and he's not really motivated to get a job at this point. But I think that sometimes we're setting up that scenario. Um, it's okay at that point if you decide, you know, these are the rules and this is tough love because all of a sudden he's regressing to a childlike state where he says, yeah, I have a family to take care of, but I really want mom and dad to take care of me too you know, I want to put on those diapers again. I want to be fed again. I want to be taken care of again. And I don't want to have that responsibility of having to reach out my hand and lift myself up. You know, this is where as parents, we have to decide Well, if I'm going to set the ground rules, I'm going to set the ground rules. Um, You can either, you know, at that point, the dad was, well, what do I do? I said, you know, there's lots of different things you can do. I can't tell you what to do. You got to set your own ground rules for yourself. Uh, But you can insist on that if there is no rent, he's going to have to move out or increase the rent to a rent that he would have to pay outside of the house or really sit down and have a, a meeting. Uh, with him and his wife and the children and decide what is it that we're gonna do here? What are the requirements for living in this home? And there's nothing wrong with that because God also has requirements for us living in his home. You know, we always say that, gosh, you we hear those parents say, well, if, as long as you're living under my my roof, you're gonna live under my rules. And that's true. I mean, we see that God says the same thing. If you're gonna come into this church, you wanna live in my house, you wanna make it to heaven, there's some rules to follow. You know, this is the first steps that we take towards maturity there's nothing wrong with setting those rules. It's just a matter of, are we going to follow through? And God always follows through with us. God's not going to let us off the hook. He's going to say, you're regressing. You're acting like a child. You got to get back up on your feet. My hands are here, but you got to make that effort to reach out to each hand and realize I will support you. More about that when we come back. All right. Well, welcome back to the clinic here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Thank you for joining us here at the last segment of our show. Um, Today, we're talking about Advent and first steps and really our first steps in our spiritual lives. Um, You know, we're talking about babies and how excited we are at seeing their first steps. We're talking about how for ourselves and our hearts, you know, Advent is a new time for us. It's a new spiritual renewal. It's it's a start of the year as we prepare ourselves for Christ. And we can start taking our first steps to Christ sometimes. And we say first steps, not because we haven't tried them before, but because every step can be new. And God makes every step new. You know, if if we uh, talk about this and we look at it from biblical perspectives, I always like to look at the Bible verses um, and see what does the Bible really say about taking steps. And really, Jesus said, you know, what's the first thing Jesus said to his apostles as he saw them there uh, fishing? said, follow me. And we understand that if somebody tells us, follow me, it means we have to move in that direction. And as human beings, the way we move is by walking, you know, okay, fine. All things aside, we can talk about cars and planes and trains and all these different things. But the reality is that the most basic, if I'm going to move from one place to another, I have to use my feet. If I'm going to get somewhere, I have to take steps and I got to take that first step in that direction, in the right direction, in the direction of where I want to go. Um, you know, first thing I need to decide myself, what's my goal? Where am I headed? You know, and, but before I even do that, before I know where I'm headed, I got to look at where am I at in life? Because if I want to get to a certain goal, but I don't look at exactly where I am in life, how am I going to know the direction I need to move my feet in? You know, that's what, that's something we need to ask ourselves. But if we look at the Bible, there's some great Bible verses about taking steps. Um, and we look at the book of Psalms in chapter, uh, Uh, Psalm 119 uh, verse 133, it says, establish my footsteps in your word and do not let any iniquity have dominion over me. I was talking about that a little bit. You notice that if we break down this verse, we look at it from a, from a mental health perspective. um, I'm asking somebody else to establish my footsteps in your word. So I'm not even saying that I want to establish my own footsteps. I want somebody else to guide me. And that takes me right back to that. It takes me right back to the child reaching out to the parents' hands. Because once we reach out to our parents' hands and we're six months old and we're seven months old and we want to take those first steps, I can move forward. But now it's up to my parents to actually kind of walk backward a little bit and guide my steps. We're asking God and we look at Psalms, uh, you know, King David is saying, asking God, please establish my footsteps. I'm going to take those steps. But establish them, guide me in your word. So let me know that I'm moving in the right direction this Advent season. Let me know that I'm putting I'm gonna put my hands out there, but I need you to guide my footsteps. And the next part is very important because it says I do not let any iniquity have dominion over me. Even then we realize that we can be vulnerable to dominion by iniquities. In other words, in today's world we say influenced by the dark side or by demons or by spirit evil spirits. We can be influenced by that. We can have dominion or we can allow them to have dominion over us. But we're asking God as we take our first steps, guide me in the right direction. I'm going to let you guide me because if I start to take those first steps on my own, I might not be able to do it right. I might not be able to do it in the right direction. I might start to regress and allow other things to enter that I shouldn't allow to enter. Even the Bible tells us about these steps. King David reminds us that we have to ask God to guide our steps in the right direction. There's another uh Bible passage uh, also from Psalms um, that says uh Psalms, Psalm 40 verse 2 He brought me up out of the pit of destruction, out of the miry clay, and he set my feet upon a rock, making my footsteps firm. So first we esta- we ask God to establish our steps, and this is the part where we trust. This is a part where a child trusts their parents and says, Move my steps in the right direction, L- allow my first steps to be on rock, on a firm ground. Because why? If I do that, if I take my steps on the firm ground, I'm not going to fall and I'm going to keep moving forward. If anybody's ever been to the beach and you know that you're walking on sand, sand is shifty. You try to walk on sand, you try to, you know, people use it to train to run on because it's very, very hard to move on sand. But if you set my steps, my footsteps on something firm, and this says on a rock, right? Christ tells us about establishing our faith, not on sand, but on rock. Um, We know that the rock's not going to move. And because the rock doesn't move, not only do I not fall, but I can take, I have good grip, I have an excellent direction and I have excellent support under me to take my step in the next direction. So it just builds on itself. When we allow ourselves to trust in God and to let him move our steps in the right direction, we're not gonna fall into the drugs. We're not gonna fall into that regression because it's not gonna allow us. Our grip is so strong that the next step has to be in the right direction. Whenever we look back, whenever we decide to step in a little bit of a sand pit, that's when we start to shuffle that's when our steps fall out from beneath us and we can no longer see that advent light that advent candle the preparation i can't prepare for christ because i'm too busy trying to get out of my own sound trap once i get onto the rock once i establish myself in god and and in his word then all of a sudden guess what i can start moving in the right direction i can start recognizing spiritually that regardless of what's going on around me regardless of what's happening to my children i'm going to start having faith in my own steps and guess what? That's going to bring my children up if they so choose to. That's going to allow them to move in the right direction as well. You know, it's interesting when we think about walking because nowadays in society, we don't like to walk. We like to drive. We like to uh, take a plane. We, like, we need something quick to get us from one place to another. But when we walk, we really have to prepare because if I'm going to go on a long walk, and sometimes we call it a journey, right? Our journey to Christ. If I'm going to go on a long walk, I have to prepare myself. I'm going to take those first steps, but I also have to prepare myself in my heart, as I was putting those pieces of hay down for Jesus' bed, it's kind of like saying, if I'm going to take a big journey, I better start making sure that I have a lunch sack, I better have some food, maybe a walking stick, maybe really good shoes, right? So I'd use those pieces of hay to start to prepare my heart in different ways. Those pieces of hay on baby Jesus' bed are a reminder that in my heart, I better have certain things for the journey, like look on the virtues, follow the sacraments, what are the commandments that I'm following. Those are really the, the, the tools that I need for this journey. You know, those, the following the, the, having the sacraments is like having a good set of shoes, right? But having virtues uh, in my heart and following the virtues is like having a good walking stick, something to lean on. we got to remember that as we're taking our first steps to Christ, Christ is going to be there to help us. He's going to get us out of these situations, but we also have to prepare ourselves with the right tools. You know, there's another one um, that I was talking about before about how When we take those steps, when we see a child take those steps, we get excited. We see that the child's moving in that direction, and we want to help them out. We want to prepare the way. We want to guide them. We want to make sure that everything's taken care of, that there's no dangerous corners on the furniture and things of that nature. Same thing has to happen to Christ. He's seeing us take our first steps this Advent season as we're thinking about Christmas and preparing our hearts for Christ to be born. God has to get excited and see us take that first step and say, Wow, okay, let's start preparing. You're going to take those first steps. I'm going to start guarding you. I'm going to start making sure that those sharp edges on the furniture are taken care of, that you're not going to fall and hurt yourself, and that you're going to be moved in the right direction. I'm going to move my hands in the right direction so that you can guide your steps. The path might look scary, but as long as you're holding on to my hands, it's not going to be that scary. There's a beautiful, beautiful passage in the book of Job, uh, chapter 14, verse uh, 16. Um, where it says, For now you number my steps, you do not observe my sin, and that's what I mean by as we fall and as we fall into sin, I don't know that Christ is going to f- focus on that as much so much as much as he's going to focus on the numbered steps. He says, For now you number my steps, why would God number our steps? Why would he count them? Because what he's counting is how many steps have we taken towards him? I think the more steps that we take towards Christ, he's not going to observe as many sins. That's where it looks at God puts his mercy on that and says, how much do you desire me? How many steps are you taking towards me? Yes, I know that you've fallen. I know that you're a sinner. We're all sinners. It's going to happen. We're all faced with temptations, and sometimes we're going to fall, and sometimes we're going to rise out of them. But God is going to look at how many more times do we rise than that we fall. How many number of steps have we taken towards him? You know, there's four weeks of Advent. There's four candles that we light and it gets exciting. We get excited about Christmas. It's such a fun time uh, in our hearts. And why do we talk about the Christmas spirit? Why do we talk about you know? Oh, you see, sometimes even you see in the old movies where they say, "Oh, you know, I wouldn't normally do this, but it's Christmas time, so I'll let this pass." Or my shop's about to close. No, really, I need to get in there. I need to get this present for my mom. It's all she's ever wanted. Oh no, oh, fine, it's Christmas. Come on in. Why do we say that? Why do we make this exception about it's Christmas or there's a Christmas spirit or or you know, tis the season to be jolly? Why are we supposed to be so happy? The reality is, is because what it comes down to is the happiness in our hearts comes from taking those first steps to Christ. Why? Because I think that that's a reflection of how happy God is looking at us take our first steps, just like the parents holding on, just like Sloan with her daddy and with Richard, her granddaddy, you know, holding on to those hands and moving forward. How much joy is there in the parent? You know, how exciting is it to see a baby take those first steps? I think when Christ and God sees us take our very first steps, when heaven looks at us and says, wow, you're taking those first steps towards heaven. And we know it's not easy, you gotta get up, you gotta get up off the floor, but how exciting is that for them as this Christmas season we prepare ourselves? I think that's where the true joy of Christmas comes in. It's not so much that I'm so happy because it's Christmas, I think it's a reflection of God's joy in us as we prepare ourselves during the Advent season. One thing that I would say is, as we look at ourselves mentally, physically and emotionally, one thing we can do this year to do that as well is, sometimes there's a lot of brokenness in families, not just because our children have fallen away or regressed, but we know that there's broken relationships. We know that sometimes it wasn't always easy to get together for the holidays, or you know, I don't want to see that uncle or that aunt because we don't get along. This holiday season, a lot of people cannot get together, and they're very frustrated by that. You know, they're separated because they're either in quarantine or or because there's you know different things going on in their lives that they weren't going to get together anyway regardless of the reason, I think one thing we can do in our hearts to prepare for Christ is take that first first step and try to mend relationships. Or if we don't have to, you know, mend a relationship, sometimes we're not ready to say, I'm sorry. We're not ready to forgive, or we, so we feel that way. I think one thing that's important is how can we recognize Christ in other people? And are we willing to take that first step spiritually to let other people know what's important about them? What's good about them? what we like about them, how much they've meant in our lives. Sometimes that's a much better gift than giving an actual physical present. Because this year, you know, a lot of times people say, well, we're gonna have to do delivery, we're gonna order things online for people, and then we're gonna get it to them that way because we can't, can't get the presents to them. But we gotta remember the holidays aren't about the presents, not about the physical presents anyway, because it's not like, you know, when we're there and we open the present, What do you, do you remember everything you got last year at Christmas? Do you remember everything you got every Christmas before that? Maybe maybe there's some really special ones that meant something because they had an emotional attachment to them. But for the most part, I would say most people say, gosh, I don't even remember what I got, you know, unless it's one or two things that I really wanted. What we look at, though, is we say it's not the gift, it's the thought, right? It's the thought that counts. Sometimes if we don't give the gift, can we take that first step this year, this Advent season, to prepare ourselves and let other people know what the thought is in our hearts about them. Can we lend that positive thought and let people know how special they are in our lives? I think that's the most important first step that we can take in mending relationships with each other and in the same way as we do that, really mending relationships with Christ and taking the, those right steps with Christ, reaching out our hands to Christ and realizing that he is the one who's supporting us as we make amends with with uh, with each other. You know, the holiday season is about family, about unity. One of my favorite prayers is the prayer of footsteps where Christ tells us that he's carrying us and he's the footsteps for us in those times that we've fallen. I think if we start taking our first steps towards Christ and towards each other, we're gonna have a very, very fulfilling Christmas season. Even in the midst of societal chaos, political chaos, whatever have you, we're gonna find Christ's love and that's gonna be the most important gift that we can give other people. And more importantly, give ourselves in a very selfish way because once Christ is born in us, we're going to be able to see Christ in other people and move forward in our first steps towards God. More uh, to come on our next show. I hope you enjoyed our show today. Stick with us for following uh, uh, radio shows and stick with us here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. We really appreciate our listeners and I hope you're having a great holiday season.